Some of you might know this already and some of you might not, but I used to be a religious lyrics first person. I always, always, always used to write lyrics first to the point that I actually forced myself to write the entirety of the lyric before I started writing music at all. I have since stopped doing that and since have actually gone sort of to the other side where I usually to almost always start with some of the music first. So in this episode, we're going to talk about why I stopped writing lyrics first, and hopefully it will give you some insight into thinking through and putting more thought into the order in which you do things in your songwriting process, and maybe the strengths and weaknesses of different methodologies. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I, as always, am your host, Joseph Adala. Today, we're talking about why I stopped writing lyrics first. And one of the reasons is, spoiler alert, that uh, I find it easier to break lyric writing down into smaller steps so that you can, you know, take a lot of time with something, but over a certain process and a certain amount of time, you can get really, really good results repeatedly. And a part of that is my six-step lyric writing checklist, which if you would like to check that out, it's totally free at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Link will be in the description. One of the hardest parts about lyric writing is staring at that blank page and often asking too much of ourselves because we'll look at that blank page and say, okay, time to basically improvise poetry, which is very, very, very difficult to do. Instead, we should require less of ourselves and break it up into smaller baby steps, which is what that guide does. The end goal of the guide, as if you have been a listener for a while, you probably already know, but the the goal is really for the lyrics to be able to repeatedly, with different lyrics. Anytime you use this process that by the end of it, you should be able to have lyrics that pass what I like to call the frame test. The frame test is basically the idea that if you print out your lyrics, put them into a picture frame and put them on the wall, are they so good that someone would say, oh, what is, what is this poem? This is, this is really good. Or would it be something like WAP, for instance, where somebody would look at it and be like, who on earth would ever First of all, not just throw this in a fire. Uh, But second of all, why on earth would anybody put this into a picture frame and put it on the wall? And of course, there's a wide gap between those two things. The reality is most songs probably fit somewhere in between. They're not really poetry worthy or all alone on the wall worthy. Uh, And we sort of compensate for maybe lackluster lyrics because, well, frankly, music can work as a crutch, right? A A great melody and a really good singer singing and cool guitar sounds or cool synths, whatever your style is, right? Piano. Uh, You know, sometimes that just sort of compensates or attempts to compensate for the fact that really our lyrics are not that great, but we should strive to have great lyrics that are just improved even more by the fact that that our music is also awesome. But If we can make sure every level of our song is awesome on its own, how much better will our songs be? Answer, very. (laughs) So that's why you should check out this six-step lyric writing checklist. It will help you out with that. It certainly has helped me. So let's talk about why 
it is I stopped with the whole writing lyrics first thing. Um, but first I want to clarify exactly what I mean by this. So what it doesn't mean is that I don't still sometimes come up with single lines or small sections of lyrics before the music sometimes, right? There are still times that I will like think of a line that I find profound, right? Or think of a, maybe a symbol that I want to use in a song or maybe even write, you know, four lines that ends up being the chorus before I have any music written. So I'm not anti-writing lyrics first. It's just no longer my main um, methodology. So sometimes I absolutely still start with lyrical or thematic ideas and then match them with music. But I used to be extreme in that I would write the entirety of lyrics before I did anything else. And now I lean the other direction where on average, I write a lot of song seeds that are musical in nature, right? So it might involve writing a bass line. It might involve a guitar riff or a piano riff or a chord progression that I find interesting or it might even be, you know, sounds that I find interesting because in my songwriting, I tend to really record and songwrite at the same time. Often, something I've been doing recently really is I've really fallen in love with utilizing organ sounds because I think an organ kind of takes a lot of different things that I really like. Um, I like epic sounding things and organs are pretty epic. And I like things that sort of have a, a regalness or epicness to them, um, which I guess I already said the epic part. But like there's something about um, like, for example, electric guitars sound relatively modern. They don't sound as modern as a synth that's epic, right? So an epic synth is both epic and very, very, very modern sounding. Electric guitar that is, you know, has hard distortion on it or whatever, sounds fairly modern, not as modern, but it also sounds epic. But as far as an old time sounding instrument that is really, really epic. It's hard to go wrong with an organ. So I've really enjoyed using organ recently. So that would be an example of, you know, I can utilize a, what's really a synth, right? And I use my keyboard and I'm effectively playing the organ. And the way you play, we've talked about this before too, but you know, the way you play with different sounds is going to be different, even if you're playing the same instrument. So if you're a keyboardist at all, um, or even just played around with a keyboard and you've ever hit like the strings button that's on basically every keyboard to ever exist, you play differently, right? Because some of the ways that you play the piano with a piano sound or a keyboard with a piano sound just is not going to sound good when you try to do it with strings. So you naturally learn to sort of play it just a little bit differently in the same way that the way you play with distorted guitar versus a clean electric guitar or an acoustic guitar is going to be very, very different. Or the way you play, if you have a bunch of reverbs on the guitar, is going to be very different than if you have no reverb whatsoever, right? You're just going to play significantly differently just because of different sounds. So anyway, that's sort of the current way I tend to start now, is I come up with a bunch of musical song seeds with stuff like what I just mentioned, 
and then I come up with like lyrical ideas. I try to pair the two. And then usually I end up writing a good amount of the music, including the melody, before writing the lyrics. Almost always the melody will come before the lyrics specifically because uh, melody informs lyrics directly, right? If you think of it sort of like a spectrum, lyrics directly affect melody, but lyrics and the harmony or chords, depending on how you want to look at it, right? The, 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 the rest of the arrangement, all the music besides the melody, the lyrics and the arrangement really have no direct connection. They're loosely connected, right? The vibe, if you will, of the music should fit the vibe of the lyrics. Yes. But there's no like direct correlation between the two. And in the same way, um, when it comes to melody and then the musical side of things, right? The chords or the arrangement directly affects melody or melody directly affects the chords, right? Your, your melody absolutely has an influence on what chords you can choose or vice versa, right? The chords influence what your melody is going to look like. You can't just play any melody on top of any chord and make it work. I mean, maybe you can, but you might say challenge accepted, but generally speaking, right? The, the chord and the melody need to work together. So they directly influence each other. So melody is kind of the thing sitting in the middle, right? Lyrics have a direct relationship with melody and the chords have a direct relationship with melody, but lyrics and chords don't have that direct connection, right? They're connected through the melody. The melody is sort of that center of the Venn diagram, if you will. So, Noting that, I find it easier to write good lyrics that fit into my written instrumentation and melodies than writing good instrumentation and melodies from the lyrics. So the reason I gave that little introduction, if you will, of this idea that as far as like a track from one thing to the other, usually it's either going to go lyrics into melody into harmony aka chords, arrangement, etc. Or it's going to go from your harmony, chords, arrangement, etc. into melody, into lyrics. So generally speaking, you're going to go in one of those two directions. Of course, you can start with melody. And then from melody, you can choose to either come up with the chords and the arrangement second, or you can choose lyrics from there. But a lot of times you're going to start on one of those two edges. And for me personally, what I really, really want from my songs in general, and this is not always the case, but this is something good to think about for yourself. Uh, I've definitely talked before. If you are a, uh, if you're not a first time listener, you may have heard me talk before about sort of knowing what your value judgments are, right? Some people, for example, care a lot about how good the drum beat is. I don't even notice the drums in most songs. I'm too busy trying to figure out, are the lyrics good? Is the melody interesting and emotional? And listening to stuff like, is there a cool or interesting or memorable piano hook? Or maybe guitar hook? Those are the things I'm paying attention to. Not really, you know, drums or bass, like sometimes, sure. But 
in songs, there are certain things we all look for. There are certain things that we, you know, value more than other things. So for me personally, the, the big three that I want to make sure in my songs are great, or I'm trying to make great, are lyrics, non-negotiable, must be very, very good, and that's what takes the longest. Melody. Melodies are incredibly important to me. There's not a song where I don't, you know, melody is extraordinarily important to me. And most people probably agree on melody, right? Almost anybody puts that in their big three. If you don't have melody in your big three, I suggest you rethink that because melody is like the one thing that everybody cares about. Um, uh, lyrics really should be as well, should be in everyone's as well. They're not, but um, anyway, the third thing for me is the musical hook that's usually played in the verse. And for me is usually overwhelmingly going to be a piano riff. Sometimes it's a guitar riff. You know, sometimes I do guitar, but um, I, at least for the singer-songwriter type songs I write, I lean pretty heavily towards the piano. So what, what, what do I mean by piano riff? The idea here is there's a difference, right, between a song that just sort of has music in the verse but doesn't really have a distinctive riff or motif or hook that is an instrument part, right? There are plenty of songs that, like, you can generally feel like, oh, it's a C chord right now, right? But it's kind of hard to tell. Like, it's like, uh, I think it's like an electric guitar and a bass together, and I think there's an acoustic guitar in there, strumming chords, and then there's, like, a piano that's doing something, but I can't quite tell what it's doing. But all of it comes together to make generally a wall of sound that is a C major chord, right? Lots of songs do that type of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But for me personally, I much prefer the um, the methodology of really a lot of early 2000s artists. So think Coldplay or The Fray or Five for Fighting, type style where like they usually have this distinctive piano riff where as soon as you hear, you know, the piano for How to Save a Life from the Fray or Clocks by Coldplay, right, or A Hundred Years by Five for Fighting, right, those are all things that e even if you don't remember those songs as I say them out loud, which I'm sure you remember Clocks, but if the other two you don't remember, that if you go and listen to it, I probably within two seconds you're like, oh, this song, because it has a very recognizable riff, right, a piano riff, something that's interesting as a piano part, not just block chords or whatever. So anyway, those tend to be the three things that I really, really care about and want to make sure I nail every song. And again, not to over clarify, but there are always exceptions to this, right? Sometimes block chords is the right thing to do for the piano part. Sometimes the most, the best way to do a memorable piano part is actually to do relatively simple block chord stuff. So it's not, not everything is a, clocks s piano riff for sure but those are my three big things and for me personally i found it easiest to nail all three of those when i actually start by writing the musical hook because i find it easier to we'll take the piano for example because that's the most common methodology so my bread and butter way of writing songs is i write a piano hook first and this comes from improvisation at a keyboard or a piano, right? So I go to my piano, I do some improvisation, I pick, you know, let's say, you know, key, key of E major. 
I do some improvisation, and usually that involves, specifically when I'm trying to write a riff, the tendency is some sort of arpeggio type thing in the right hand, and then the left hand plays some sort of bass line, if you will, which is not necessarily going to be the same bass line that the actual bass plays, but it's a piano bass line, if you will. That tends to be the direction I go. Of course, there are different things to do in the left hand. I do different things sometimes, but the, my bread and butter would be would be that. Some form of quasi-melodic, quasi-arpeggiated um, right hand, and then sort of a bass line in the left hand. So I write that. And then I can record that and loop it. Then I go back to the piano, and I can improvise a melody on the piano. I mean, specifically keyboard, because keyboards are nice for recording, because you can use VSTs and plugins and stuff in order to have a really good sounding piano. You don't have to worry about actually keeping your piano in perfect tune and miking it and all that pain in the butt stuff. Um, so technically a keyboard, not that it matters. <laughs> so I loop it and then I can change, you know, I use a choir synth or something with the keyboard this time. That way it's human voices at least. And then I improvise melodies on top of it while listening to that piano hook on loop, right? Sometimes I'll spend half an hour listening to that same hook over and over and over, improvising different melodies on the top of it until I find something I really like. And then half the time I workshop the melody from there where I try different things, right? Like maybe the first three notes of the four are something that I really like, but the fourth note just doesn't quite hit me emotionally in the way I want it to. So I workshop going to different notes until I find something I like. And then maybe, maybe once I have those four seemingly right or I got the fourth note right then I'm like actually the second note could probably use improvement so then I try moving that to different places right so I'm workshopping the melody at this point so I find that a very very effective way for me personally to have a memorable piano hook because to the songwriting is a funnel thing that I talk about all the time right the earlier you do something the more creative room you have for me personally I find it easiest to, the thing that requires the most creative room for me is that musical hook. Part of it is because that's one of the more complex parts, right? Because it's somewhat just chords broken up in a specific way that sounds more interesting, sort of. But not really, because most of the time the piano riffs that I'm going to come up with are like kind of chords, but they're not really just all the notes from an E major chord. Usually it's like, well, most of the notes were from the E major chord, but I happen to have an F sharp in the bass. And then also in the riff that I did in my right hand, I also hit an A, which is also not in an E major chord, right? So at this point, it's like, it's, there's not really a chord there. There kind of is. There's hints of different chords, but it's not something that you could make an easy, simple to understand chord sheet off of is the tendency anyway. So because of that, that's where I could really use the most creative room. With melody, I find that as long as you spend enough time sort of improvising and workshopping it, you can come up with an infinitely interesting melody no matter how complex your musical hook was. Um, so from there, I find that lyrics tends to be a really long, strenuous uh difficult process anyway, whether you have the constraints of a melody or not. Like, I honestly don't think 
that when I have a musical hook and a melody that goes on top of it, I really don't think that lyric writing gets harder than it would be if I just had nothing to go off of. In fact, I would argue it might even get easier. And I mentioned this in a video that I've recorded. I don't know if it's out yet because I haven't scheduled the video or finished editing it yet. So I don't know if it's out yet, but I mentioned, and I've mentioned this in other videos as well. Brandon Sanderson, famous fantasy writer. He, um, what he does when he's writing chapters of his books is he actually listens to soundtrack music that evokes the emotion and the feel of, you know, that chapter. So for example, if, if maybe he's writing a super epic duel scene or fight scene or the climactic battle of the book, maybe he would listen to Battle of the Heroes, which is, you know, the, the main theme from Star Wars Episode Three for the battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin. So in the same way, I find that if, if anything, having this musical hook and melody, now there's a clear feeling and vibe and there's, it already is telling me what this song should be about. So it actually limits my options for the lyrics, but in a good way, in a helpful way. And also I find it easier to write lyrics when I already know exactly how many syllables I need per line because the melody dictates that, right? If the melody is four notes, then I have four syllables, right? And you, you can squeeze it one way or the other a little bit. But for the most part, if your melody is a six note melody followed by a five note melody and then six five, then the syllables of your lyrics are probably gonna be that. So I find I really don't lose anything. And if anything, lyric writing might even get easier when I have the context of the musical hook and the melody already. Because overall, I find that music inspires me to words more than words inspire me to music. All right, so if I hear music, that inspires me and makes me think of words more so than writing words inspires me to specific music, right? So if I write a poem, it's not as immediately evident to me what the music needs to sound like that would go with that poem as it is when I write music, it's immediately evident to me, here's what this song needs to be about. Maybe not immediately, but it's more immediately relevant. Um, I said relevant. That's not the word I meant to use. <laughs> um, it's more immediately obvious to me. So I also find that when I'm giving it, given a, quote, blank canvas, the different subjects I'd write about lyrically are going to tend to be more limited than the different musical ideas I'd come up with. So, for example, if I always started with lyrics, I might always write some sad, reflective song over and over again, which most of my songs tend to be sort of in that department anyway. But literally almost everything I write would probably be in that direction. For example, when I wrote this sort of spunky, sarcastic song, I don't think if I started with a sort of catchy, quirky-sounding piano riff... I really don't think I ever would have written a song about what that subject ended up being about. Um, I, I just don't think it would have happened. Whereas, it is easier for me, and I find it more fun, and it comes more naturally to me, to come up with a variety of musical ideas and musical seeds that then sort of dictate where the lyrics need to go somewhat. 
right? If you come up, so for example, we'll take me again because it's easy to talk about, right? So I've established that I, I lean towards sort of sad, reflective songs, right? As soon as I write a piano riff that's catchy or a guitar riff that's sort of catchy and quirky sounding, that dictates that I move away from that, right? Like you can't write, I mean, you can, but you shouldn't probably write a sad, reflective song that sounds like a toe-tapping song, right? Like if people are tapping their toe to it and it has sad, reflective lyrics, unless it's intended irony, which can work sometimes, that's probably not really how it should go, right? So I find for me personally to mix up the subjects I talk about and to mix up talking about different things in the context of, you know, the lyrics and covering different subjects and themes and emotions, I find it much easier to actually start with music that starts to sort of dictate the general emotion that the song needs to take rather than the other way around. Another thing is you can record and loop your music and improvise lyrics over your music much more easily than you could do something like record your words and improvise music under them. And this may sound small, but in the songwriting process I use where recording is very much a part of my songwriting process at this point, they really are, are conflated for me at this point almost to the level of an EDM producer probably. Um, but even though I do f very much not EDM music, right? I do very guitars and piano and all that. I like my real instruments. I do like some synth stuff to sort of add to it and give it a little bit of a modern sheen. I do like that, but, um, you know, I, I don't write EDM music. And yet, usually when you think of uh, sort of conflation of the idea of songwriting and production slash arranging and recording, usually you think of EDM music. But um, anyway, the point here is I can record a, you know, let's go back to the piano riff. I can record a piano riff. Then I can record that vocal melody utilizing, you know, maybe another piano sound, maybe an organ sound, maybe a, a choir sound. doesn't really matter what sound, right? Then I can literally loop it in my computer, and then I can improvise different lyrics over the top of that, hearing, here are the syllables I need to fill, right? So if it's da-da, da-da, if the melody goes like that, right? Da-da, just rhythmically. We'll leave the melody out of it to keep it simple, but da-da, da-da. And I hear that over and over again. It's e To me, it's much easier to sort of start hearing different words that could fit into da-da, da-da. As I hear that looped over and over again, then I don't even know how you would do it in the other direction, right? Let's say I have the words... Uh, this would sort of fit, but I'm gone today, right? When, when I have I'm gone today and I need to figure out music behind it, how do I loop I'm gone today? And I mean, like, what am I going to do? Record me saying the words I'm gone today and then try to improvise music underneath that? Like, good luck. <laughs> like, that, that's not going to work very well. I mean, first of all, just tempo, right? Like, just in tempo, that's not going to work well. Whereas the music already is dictating the tempo. You can fit words to different tempos much more easily than you can just, like, I don't know, if, if you said the word, I'm gone today, or whatever I said before, at, you know, not quite the right tempo, and 
what are you gonna do? Improvise the 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 me- the melody while you hear yourself just saying the words, or are you gonna like try to write a, a riff or a chord progression underneath somebody speaking words? Right, like all of that sounds weird and foreign, but it seems natural to be listening to you know a melody and some chords or a riff or whatever, and then figure out what l- lyrics go on top of them. So in a way. To put it really basically, I kind of see lyrics as downstream of the music, and that is not to say they're, it, it's less important. Okay, I'm first in line to say lyrics are super important. Uh, really, a, a lot of the the basis of what I wanted to do when I created this songwriter theory thing uh, almost three years ago now that I think the podcast started, uh, one of the fundamental things that I thought separated me and was a reason why I felt called to do this is because I think there is overall way too lax of an attitude from songwriters in general about lyrics. And, you know, if you go to your average songwriting channel on YouTube or podcast or whatever, most songwriters are so busy being infatuated with the guitars and the chord progressions and the melodies, and then they almost will almost admit that they just throw lyrics in that fit, right? That's super common, and I think that's egregious and shouldn't be a thing. And to me, it's a huge lost opportunity to say something meaningful. Because the songs that end up being truly timeless are the ones that do have some great lyrics. Having great, meaningful lyrics is a great thing to shoot for. We should all be shooting for that. So, again, I don't want to go too far into lecturing mode over like the importance of lyrics. The point I just want to make here is, if, especially if you're new here, I am first in line to talk about the importance of lyrics. If, if you've listened to ten different podcasts or YouTubers are songwriting YouTubers this week, and you're trying to find somebody that's for you. Probably I'm the person who cares the most about lyrics of those people, right? So if you're not a person who cares about lyrics, I might not be a great fit for you. If you do care about lyrics, good. We're a good match. I mean, this is literally a part of why I I did this. I thought there was a gap here. There's a lot of people doing great stuff. Like, I love Rick Beato. Love Rick Beato. Don't take this as disrespect truly love his stuff. He he's brilliant. He he teaches well. He Rick Beato is the man. But uh at, at one point he admitted in one of his videos that he's not a lyrics guy. He doesn't really even pay attention to lyrics. He's not much of a lyricist and, you know, therefore he's listening to the music production. So when he talks about how great a song is, really what he's talking about is the chord progressions, how the melodies play with it, what modes they're using and the production, right? So he's just listening to music in a different way than, say, I would, where, you know, I, I don't I don't know nearly as much about the production side as him, and he knows more music theory than anybody on the planet. Um, again, totally brilliant. Love Rick Beato. Um, but I care a lot about the lyrics, right? So I'm looking at it from a different perspective. So all that to say, I deeply care about lyrics. So don't hear when I say lyrics are downstream of music. That doesn't mean that they're less important than the music. It just means that to me, it more naturally flows from, because that's what downstream means really, right? It's the, where's water flowing? Where does it most naturally flow? 
it, it more naturally flows from the music to the lyrics, in my opinion. In the same way that to me, for example, let's take a movie. I think if you wrote the soundtrack for a movie before you wrote the movie, it would be really hard to write a movie to the soundtrack, to me. Because in that case, I think that the music is downstream of, you know, the visuals of the movie and the script of the movie and the characters that are cast in the movie and the way the actors portray them, right? That all is upstream of the, of the music that is meant to sort of flesh out the emotions that, you know, the, the movie is going for at any given time. So in, the same, in a similar way, I don't want to say the same way because it's very different, but, but in, in a similar way, I feel that lyrics are somewhat downstream of music in the sense that they flow more naturally from music than lyrics flow, or sorry, lyrics flow from music more naturally than, than um, music flows from lyrics, in my opinion. Again, background on this episode is just me talking about why, for me, I've made the transition you might be feel the opposite way, right? It's all about thinking about, for you personally, you know, and anything I say here is, is meant for you to think about, okay, for you, how does it work? And that should inform you on how maybe your main songwriting process should be. Because again, I recommend people doing different, you know, diff- different ways of writing songs. I think that's how you keep it fresh and don't have songs that all sound the same, but we all should probably have our bread and butter in the same way that we should have our quote unquote sound, right? That makes us us as an artist, but we should break outside of that sound sometimes in order to, you know, not get bored and write the same song over and over again. So anyway, Lyrics are the longer, more time-consuming process of the two things anyway, for me, right? right. Like, I, I always joke that if I, I, if I, that I'm jealous of some of my friends or people I know who write EDM music or other types of electronic music that may or may not be EDM specifically, that don't write lyrics and don't have, you know, the, it's just, it's just the music side. And the reason I joke with them that I'm jealous of them is if you just asked me to write music for a song without having to write lyrics, the joke is that I'd write five songs a week. That's a little overstated, but uh, I certainly could probably write songs at 10 times the rate easily if you took lyrics out. Lyrics are, are the harder, more time-consuming part of it for me by a mile. And part of that's because I care very deeply about lyrics. And part of it is I, I think it's just, you can, you can improvise good music it's pretty hard to improvise good lyrics. Um, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. A lot of what we're covering here I, I, may sound like I'm going down slight rabbit holes, but that's because there's a lot of important things to point out here. But uh, some of these things I pointed out, I have made a whole episode off of, right? So in a way, this would have made a good episode 150 because it, it brings together a lot of the different things we've talked about over the years. But um, anyway... So because lyrics are the longer process anyway, um, again, I've, I find that for me personally, it, it doesn't get much harder or longer of a process when I write lyrics after being constrained somewhat by the melody and by the 
you know, chords and the overall vibe that's sort of been formed with the song when I start with the hook first and then the melody. And then the last point here is bottlenecks. So if you don't know what a bottleneck is, a bottleneck is like uh, sort of like the weakest link of a chain, right? A chain is only as strong as its weakest link because as soon as the weakest link breaks, the rest is kind of irrelevant. Maybe an easy way to think of this is that a bottleneck to filming a movie would be casting actors in the movie, right? Like you literally can't start filming something if you don't have the people to stand in and act for it, right? And you can't, and you probably can't cast actors until you know who the characters are, right? Like, who do I need? Do I need a 25-year-old blonde girl in order to be the lead, right? So that's going to determine who I'm going to cast versus a story that revolves around a 65-year-old dude from, uh, you know, Egypt, right? Those are going to require different casting. So you need to write the movie before you know who you can cast. So it's a bottleneck, right? That's a decent example of what I'm, what I'm trying to talk about here. Um, without getting too deep into exactly what bottlenecks are. So for me, the bottleneck of I can't write any of the music or melody until I finish the lyrics or at least make good progress on the lyrics to know how many syllables I have per line is a significant bottleneck compared to the bottleneck of like, literally I can sit at my keyboard, I can come up with a piano riff that I like and boom, I already have the tempo. I already have, I don't even have to write the melody next. I could just figure out the rhythm of the melody, which then can allow me to write the lyrics next instead of the melody. Or again, like the, the bottleneck of, hey, can I write a piano riff that I really like and a melody that I really like is like, Give me a day. I might be, I, I, I probably, if if I didn't have a day job, for sure, every single day, I feel like I could come up with a decent pairing of those two things. Whereas if you ask me, hey, you can't really write much of the music until you get some lyrics set in stone, that's going to take a lot longer for me. Now we're talking about seven, eight weeks, if not more, probably, before I can really start writing the music. Whereas I could write the entirety of the music and the entirety of the melody and do everything except for record the vocals, right? I could do the whole arrangement of the song, record the entire song, have the track entirely ready before I'm done with the lyrics. In fact, the EP that I'm basically done with except for lyrics, there's still a couple lyrics that I feel the need to workshop before I record the vocals of one song. The whole thing's recorded. Right? Like, it's, it's literally like figure out the lyric, boom, it can go out the door. But if I were waiting to write the music until I had the lyrics set in stone, because I wanted the lyrics to dictate it, it takes a long time to record all the different tracks you needed in a song, right? Much less the writing part and all that. So these are sort of just all the things that went into my transition from being religiously always lyrics first. Um, to now me leaning pretty heavily the other direction with no change whatsoever in how much I value lyrics. None whatsoever. If anything, it's gotten stricter. Um, 
Certainly the standard is higher. Um, I'm semi-embarrassed by some of the lyrics in high school, which when I'm fair to myself and I say, okay, but you were in a high school, I'm like, ah, for a high schooler, it's, 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 it's all right. Um, but um, there, there are literally songs that I don't have released out there that used to be released literally because uh, apparently I have too tender of an ego and I'm like, eh, I wrote this in high school and recorded this as a freshman in college and made mistakes with the recording process and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if anybody needs to hear this, right? So so anyway, if anything, I've gotten more picky about lyrics. So the transition has nothing to do with a compromise of like, oh, I guess lyrics aren't, aren't as important. Speaking of lyrics being as important, Again, if you haven't already or if you forgot, because I know this was a long episode, we dove into a lot in this one. I thought this was going to be a shorter episode, but there's so many uh, important side points I thought to make. Um, or, or I There were Im- side points that came up as I was talking that I thought were important to make. That's a better wording. Otherwise, it sounded like, I think I'm very important. I do not think I'm very important. <laughs> Just to clarify. Um But anyway, speaking of the importance of lyrics, if you forgot by now because of this longer episode of the Songwriter Theory podcast, be sure to check out that six-step lyric writing checklist. It is, I've said this before, but I I think it's my favorite of the three free guides. They're they're all really good, so check them all out. Um, But this one specifically is is my favorite. So if, if, if you had to choose one, which you don't have to choose one. You can have all three. But if you had to choose one, this is the one. Just for the uh, iterative lyric editing part alone, I legitimately, not exaggerating, that one step is probably the most revolutionary thing to my songwriting in the last 10 years of songwriting. Um, I think that's true. If not, it's up there with the process we talked about today, um, of sort of starting with the riff and then going melody and all that. Uh, those are probably the big two. So anyway, that is just one of the six steps. I think it will be really helpful to you to be more efficient in your lyric writing. And, uh, at the very least, even if it doesn't help with your efficiency, it certainly will help with breaking it down into much more doable baby steps and will help you get better results, which I think is the most important thing is, can we get better results? How do we make sure that it's not some magical process, this dumb luck, whether our lyrics turn out well or not, but if we can make it into a process that can routinely result in quality lyrics that meet that precious frame test. So hopefully this was helpful to you. If it was, a great way that you can thank me. <laughs> a great way you can thank me because I'm so important. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, a great way that you can uh, thank me. If you if you do find this podcast helpful is leaving a kind review on Apple Podcasts. That's super appreciated. I saw that two more people, I think, did it last week, which is awesome. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate all of you who have taken the time to do that. I know that that takes time out of your day. So I really do appreciate that. Uh, it means a lot. I appreciate those of you who send me emails as well. I also appreciate those of you who like tried to figure it out and 
couldn't or you like don't use Apple anything and you didn't want to make a login and all that. I appreciate all of you as well. I totally get it. Um, but if you do have if, if you can leave a Apple review, um, please do. That uh, helps me out a lot. Uh, is a great way to tell other people, hey, this podcast is worth listening to. So hopefully we can together create uh, a a uh, a bigger community of songwriters that really care about the art of songwriting and um, and and a part of sort of. I talked a little bit about the the core of the mission, if you will, that that made me start this almost three years ago now. Was that I thought there was a lot lacking in the. Uh, people talking about the importance of um, lyrics in this space. And something else I think is largely lacking is them talking about the importance of music theory. Now, that is an area that, back to Rick Beato, because I feel bad that the first time I ever brought up Rick Beato was in the context of saying something I disagreed with him on, or maybe not disagreed with him, but something that, um, I don't know, whatever it was. Again, I have nothing but respect for Rick Beato. Um, but... Dude is an absolute stud, and one of the greatest things I think he's done for the the community of songwriters is the fact that he has shown repeatedly the importance and how helpful to songwriting and music in general understanding basic music theory concepts is. And he even goes beyond basic music theory concepts, which is why music theory is a big part of what we do here too. You'll notice another free guide is the four pillars of music theory every songwriter needs to know. Um, so music theory is another thing, right? So if you also care about this, this quasi mission of like, Hey, there's a lot of crappy songs on the radio. There's a lot of crappy songs out there. I want people to be empowered to songwrite, uh, and to have a community of people that all care about getting better as lyricists and taking songwriting seriously enough to actually be willing to learn the basics of music theory and not just want to grab a guitar, put three chords together and sing a song. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, um, you know, if you really care about the craft of songwriting, you should want to go steps farther than that. Uh, so if, if you're with me on this, the best way that you can sort of spread the word is via Apple podcast reviews. So I appreciate all of you who have done it. I appreciate those of you who might do it now that I pleaded with you to do it again. Um, I appreciate all of you just for listening though. And uh, it's, it's you know, I, I brought up now that it's been like three years and it and man, it's it's been a good three years. I really enjoy doing this. I love hearing emails from all of you talking about, you know, the different things you learned and and, you know, some of you talking about, like, I had given up on songwriting and then I came upon your podcast stuff. Like, that stuff is just freaking awesome. And because uh, that's why I do this, right? I, I don't – it's – full transparency, it is Wednesday when I'm recording this and it is 1.13 a.m. <laughs> and I do have work in the morning. Um, and I love every second of this, right? Uh, like, I really love what we're doing here and um, love doing this. I'm not just doing this because I like – talking to myself in a mic or whatever other reason I would be doing this. Um, so getting to hear from you all in the form of emails and reviews and stuff uh, really warms my heart uh, and shows me why it is I'm doing this, that it, it that um, hopefully this is making some level of a difference. 
So again, thank you to all of you over the years um, who have done any of these things, right? Left a YouTube comment or sent an email, all, all of that. Um, and I know I do this most episodes, but sometimes I take a little longer to do it to make sure you know that I'm not just saying that because I'm supposed to say that. I'm saying that because I do genuinely feel it. Um, I really do appreciate all of you. So thank you for listening. I will now wrap up now because I know that you probably are still sitting in your car with your engine still on because you're waiting for me to wrap up the podcast. You're used to me taking only your commute time and I went over, but you're like, I got to finish the podcast before I go into work. Just kidding. I doubt that this was that important, but if that's you, thank you, good sir or good ma'am. And I will now wrap up. Have a good week, everybody. Hopefully I'll see you in some of the videos coming out on YouTube over this next week. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you all. And I'll talk to you in the next one.